Welcome to the most innovative, creative, intellectually stimulating podcast around. Now let's listen to One on One with Dr. D. You've tuned in to One on One with Dr. D. Now, get ready to listen. Welcome, welcome, and welcome. Welcome once again to One on One with Dr. D. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Henderson. God bless you. I pray that you are doing well today. And I pray that you are taking in all of this holiday spirit and festivities that's going on before this Christmas. Amen. I want to go into the third part of discovering or developing your prophetic gifting. Okay. And I want to keep this interesting and I want to keep it very succinct uh, this time around. Because uh, we spoke about a few things last week and followed up. But I want to go into and I want to go into more of the depth of the prophetic. But I want to go into um, what makes a prophet to be a prophet. Amen. What makes a prophet to be a prophet? Now, we went over some definitions. Uh, We went over a few other things. But I want to be a little more succinct this time around. And uh, I may extend this out a little bit further, but uh, not too much further, because I know there are so many other topics that could be spoken about. But we're taking this time to uh, concentrate on developing your prophetic gifting. And I believe that this would uh, bless your heart, bless your soul, uh, just by understanding uh, these things. Now, what makes a prophet a prophet? Well, um... Prophets oftentimes have a propensity for dreams and visions. When I say a propensity, they come and they go as quickly as they are here, they're gone. But they oftentimes have them. Now, I find myself uh, in these days having dreams. One of the things that the Lord God has has done with me in reference to dreams, um, and I'm going to speak from the... um, from the aspect of dreams right now is I know when a dream is not the uh, spaghetti and meatballs I ate that night or a hoagie or, or, uh, or that ice cream that I shouldn't have eaten. I know when it's not because the dream that I have is very colorful. God has done that to me several times in my life, especially when I was a young man Dreams that he wanted pointed out with specificity, he gave to me in bright, vivid colors. Those dreams, oftentimes, I could remember instinctually right off the bat. And those dreams were the ones that oftentimes came to pass. There wasn't a dream that I had that was illuminated with bright colors that did not come to pass. Not once. Now, I also 
I have the propensity for visions. This is myself uh, carrying the mantle that I carry, being the prophet of God that I am. And what makes the visions strange to other people, well, maybe not to other people, but to some people, is that my visions oftentimes are open visions while I'm moving, which to me scares me. I'm driving in a car one day and I have an open vision while I'm driving on the highway. I can see the road, but the open vision is right in front of me. And I'm seeing a situation that is, and here's what's funny. Some open visions are not open visions of the word of knowledge in reference to what is uh, happening, but some of them are future events that you are seeing. Now, what's important for prophets to understand is that you should learn how to interpret symbols because the Bible is a very symbolic book. It uses a lot of numbers. I use a lot of uh, cryptic uh, symbology. So if you don't understand those things, you'll ultimately be confused at what you're seeing. You won't understand the dimension that you're in and you will lose the message. And there's something else I got to speak to uh, everyone about in reference to that. But uh, and this has to do with the the, the, the prophet and the seer. But we're, we're going to go into that uh, later. OK, so uh, we have a propensity for visions and dreams. Right. Uh, Prophets are oftentimes very sensitive to spiritual things. Now, here's where a lot of prophets get themselves into trouble. You see, when you have a propensity um, for the sensitivity of spiritual things, then everything that is spiritual that is around you, you end up with a spirit of subjugation, which means you become subject to all of the spirits that are around you. That is one of the main reasons why people who are prophets are oftentimes very introverted because introverted people get drained by the people who they are around a lot. That's why we don't like to be around a lot of people. When you see a prophet who is constantly being or has been tethered by people who are constantly thronging him or her, you have to question the validity of the prophetic mantle. Now, I'm not trying to put a, a, a standard. I, I, there's nothing standardized about the prophetic. And I have to say that once again, there's nothing standardized about the prophetic. There may be some prophets that want to be around a bunch of people, but all of the prophets that I have met are oftentimes to the depth of it, loners. They don't want to be around a lot of people because it drains their energy. Not only does it drain their energy, but people tap into them and they understand that when they begin to speak that, that things can happen, things can change, situations can change. Prophets change the atmosphere when they come in. Apostles and prophets change atmospheres when they come into a place. That's the second thing. The third thing is they have a great comprehension of prophetic matters. 
That means they can understand the depth. They could skim the bottom of the depth of the prophetic. And they could be very surface when it comes down to it. But there basically isn't, and, and, and I'm not speaking about those that are walking in the realm of the novice, the acolyte, and the intermediate. Oftentimes these prophets are and have been moving as the gift for years because certain uh, uh, accoutrements that are attached to the prophetic mantle have to be developed and they can only be developed over a longer period of time. You can't just get some things and uh, can't just wake up and one day all of a sudden you have this particular aspect of your prophetic mantle completely finished and done and you're good. It does take time. Now, I, 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 like I said in the beginning, I absolutely degree, uh, I disagree with the fact that somebody says that it takes years uh, to develop a fully developed prophet. I don't believe that God is doing that. I believe that if the individual is seasoned enough, studied enough, and is seeking after God enough, God will show them, and if they have good mentors, good spiritual fathers, then these things could be brought to their attention. They could be honed so that that prophet can move in the totality of their gifting. But it has to be in line with who they're connected to and who they're connected with. Here's another one. The apprehension of role and place of prophecy. Now, if you got to give credence to the subtle yet lofty positions and imposition of prophecy upon human life and earthly existence, then that's what you have to do. But you have a good apprehension of your role as an, as a, uh, as an emissary of the cross. As a prophet, what part you play? Because you do have a specific part that you're playing in order for you to walk in the word that was given to you. See, prophets walk in a continual word. Some people walk their word out. Wait for the development of their word and their word come to pass. Well, the fact that you're a prophet, God not called you as a prophet, but birthed you as a prophet. And once again, you'll hear me say it again and again and again and again and again. And I'm going to say it right now. There isn't such a thing as the office of the prophet. There isn't such thing as the office of the prophet. I've heard it so much till I'm, I'm almost sick of saying it. There isn't such a thing as office of the prophet. You cannot find it in the scripture. And yes, I'm being a biblicist when I say it. The mantle is not replete from the standpoint of an office. You can't find it and you cannot correctly exegete the scripture by utilizing the terminology office because you're using interchangeably governmental. Because governmental offices are offices that are voted into. And that's on this continent. Even going then, Oftentimes, kings were not voted. Oftentimes, kings took over. 
You didn't vote your king in. You couldn't vote your king out. Anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent in reference to that. Let's continue. Prophets have an awareness of God and most specifically, Jesus' testimony as prophecy. As the word of God says, okay, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. All prophetic words all have to come back around to Jesus. I'm not talking about, I'm not speaking as if you have to prophesy and then say the name of Jesus. You don't have to prophesy and bring it all back around at that moment to Jesus. But that word that you are giving must somehow lead the individual back to a renewal of their source, which is Jesus. All prophetic words. Now, when I say this, I'm speaking from the sense, and I want everyone to understand this, I'm speaking from the sense from the Christian perspective. Because mind you, our Bible says that in Acts 2.17 and Joel 2.28, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Which means everybody has the ability to prophesy. That means if they are not within the context of Christendom, they will not prophesy leading people back to Christ because that's not their job. They may prophesy and lead the individual to another Jesus that is not our Jesus. Hello. However, the ability to do so still remain because every good and perfect gift comes from above. All right, let's get off of that. The next one is prophets have the capacity for revelation discovery. If a prophet is not getting revelation from the word. Now, uh, rhema is one thing. It's great. Revelation is greater. The people that I hear speaking revelation most of the time are the apostles. The revelatory nature, it's replete. The, the apostolic, the apostle is replete with the revelatory uh, gifting to be able to go forth in such a manner in which you'll say, wow, my God, you, how'd you pull that out of scripture? But I, wa I will forewarn everybody, prophets and apostles. Okay, that revelation does not take the place of a correct exegetical um, uh, proposition. You cannot pull things from the scripture and say that it is the Bible, but it does not meet the tenets of the faith within the realm of the Bible. You have to keep it in the word. Because you know what we like to do as, as Christians, we like to, you know, if a person is wrestling with a spirit, we automatically will name the spirit. That's the spirit of, of, of that's the spirit of shoes. She got the spirit of shoes. Well, where, where's that in the Bible? That spirit of shoes. Okay. This has got the spirit of, he's got the spirit of suits. I've heard some of the most ridiculous things that have been named spirits. 
and people following up going, amen, yeah, that's amen, amen to that, yeah, amen. Well, amen means that you agree with that individual wholeheartedly and you take it as gospel. So you're just as wrong as the person who quoted it. It's error. Let's go. Prophets oftentimes have peculiar interpretive skills. They can interpret a lot of things. They can interpret, uh, like we were speaking about earlier, they can interpret dreams, they can interpret visions, they can interpret emotions. One of the, one of the things, one of the great aspects of the prophetic anointing is being able, and I'm not talking about cold reading because that, that borders on witchcraft, but to be able to read the psychology or the psychological, emotional aspects of people, knowing how to be sensitive to an individual when they're feeling a particular way. When I say that there are some prophets that could seriously empathize, not just sympathize, but empathize, meaning they are true empaths. Now we don't like to hear terminologies like this because in the body of Christ, We've, we've got this particular terminology that we've, we've assigned to, to, to basic Bible English. We need to take some of these words back. Okay, some of these words don't belong to other realms and other dimensions. They belong right in, 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 in with us in Christendom. Someone who is an empath is someone who feels the weight of another individual's problems. The reason prophets are oftentimes drained is because of that empathic ability that they have. That's what drains them. Too much high energy. It's like eating sugar and going up. And now you get dropped. So you're all the way up there and your nerves are buzzing. You're around a lot of people full of energy all the time. You're going, oh my God, I can feel and sense all of this stuff. With everybody right that's why you you like to be home you like to drink tea I'm telling you my stuff I'm home I like to drink tea I like to study 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 all the time always reading a text always looking up something always I have my pictures that I watch on television but being by myself is where I'm most comfortable amen all right Prophets oftentimes have extraordinary wisdom and human insight. We can oftentimes see beyond the measure of what people want us to see. And we utilize wisdom to get people to understand that we've seen that, but we don't, we're not going to tell you those that of us, those of us that are more mature in, in our understanding of the prophetic arts. That's the problem is when you have a prophet who's not wise enough to understand that the word that they have gotten from heaven to give to you is not something to be exploited so that they can put their face in a microphone and spit it to you in front of a room of 250 people. Some of those things are not supposed to be said in the open. So peculiar insight, aptitude, okay, wisdom. These are the things that are absolutely necessary for the prophet, all right? A lot of prophets have a great sense of practical application. So we're not walking around 
being so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. That everything is a spirit. Because everything is not the spirit. Everything is not the devil. Everything is not an angel. And though we know all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord to those that are called according to his purpose, we know that God has given free movement and given us free agency to be able to move to do the things that we do. Isn't it amazing? And, and this is just this is just a sidebar. I did. Sidebar. Some people may agree with me. Some people may disagree with me. But we know that God has declared the ending from the beginning. So regardless of which way you move, whether you move left, left, right, in, out, up, down, God already knows the ultimate outcome of everything. A question that I asked one time to my class was, do we actually have free will? I mean, it's free to us because we don't know what's going on. And surely the Lord God will do nothing except he reveal it first to his service to prophets. So there's a prophet somewhere that knows exactly what's going on. But if that be the case and God has declared the ending from the beginning, do you actually think that we have the totality of free will? And I keep leaving that on that rock on the doorstep of a lot of people because there are a lot of interchangeable ideas that come into play when you begin to think about that. That's not only a critical spiritual aspect, it's also a theological um, it's a burgeoning theological topic at this particular point in time. It's been burgeoning for a very long time. Okay. Prophets have heightened spiritual discernment. Now, having a heightened spiritual discernment is, is key because prophets should take part in things such as the, 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 the notice within the church of adverse spirits that are there in the sanctuary. Prophets should also be, should take part, but be aware of deliverance that is happening. They should be a partaker in that aspect. Because the aspect is not only do demons, uh, uh, can you see them, through what the world would call the third eye, but through the spiritual realm, but they can be heard. But they have to be heard by someone who is gifted with that gift of, of the discernment of spirits. There is a gift of the discernment of spirits. Then when they manifest that they could be seen and when they manifest, they can be heard. So, once again, heightened spiritual discernment. All right? Then prophets also have an inordinate grasp of Scripture. Now, here's where I, here's where I, I have a, a, a thing with a lot of people. You've heard me say this before, beloved, that a lot of prophets know what God is saying, but they don't know what God has said. That's because many prophets don't really study to show themselves approved unto God scripturally the way they should. I was listening to something today and I heard someone speak about the church in reference to why we still move the way we do with the pastoral. Where it came from and what it started from. And the individual spoke and I must say this, well, I can't say it as gently as I desire because I need to get the point across. The person spoke ignorantly. 
Because had they understood the historical concept and the context in which the uh, uh, the place of the of the uh, pastor has come in, they would not have stated that in particular. They would not have stated that at all. What they would have done is they would have said, "Okay, well, I don't really understand what this what this is. So I, all I want to do is now I want to move and say that this happened within the realm of the church. That's it." That's what they would have. That's what they would have done. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. Okay. Prophets also have a deep hunger for the knowledge of God. They're always seeking for more knowledge because while they're in prayer and they're and they're interacting with God, while they're speaking with God, He's imparting to them, and they want to know more and more about God. Well, let me tell you something. The best way for us humanly possible to get to know God to his depth is to first start with his word. Because the word of God says that he and his word are one. The greater knowledge that you have of the Bible, the greater knowledge you will have of him. And then the aspects of understanding Christology will become more relevant to you. Because it is Jesus that said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. I come in the volume of the book, which means the book that we have is not the only volume. Because now we can go and say that if if men were to write all of the things that Jesus did while he was here, there would not be enough books to contain him. That means within, hear this, that means not only within the three and a half years that he was here ministering after he was brought into the wilderness, but there were some of uh, there were other aspects that took place prior to Jesus being before the Holy Ghost got here being who he was. Now, I don't want to get off on heresy because when you start talking about all of those other things, but you got to understand the three and a half years that he was here. He was seen with the naked eye by the men that he had chosen, which means there had to be a time when Jesus was doing things that nobody knew, that nobody saw. But if nobody saw it, how could we write about it? Which means there are other aspects that Jesus did that somebody must have seen. But it's just, uh, it's, it's all arterial. So uh, all of that is, it, it's, it goes beyond measure and it would require a further academic study um, and, and, and evidence uh, to support these claims. So I leave it and rest it there, all right? Another thing that prophets do is they have the potential for inspired utterances. So they have the potential to speak in tongues. We say inspired. Um, I would say, let's call it what we've seen in the church, in the black Pentecostal and Christian churches. Uh, uh, it's, it's more along the line of, um, uh, charismatic, these inspired, um, these, these, uh, jerks and, 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 uh, the way the, 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 the body moves and us speaking in tongues and things of that nature, this is all part of African spirituality. That's another topic that we can get into at another, another juncture. 
okay? Because I'm leading this, this, this particular podcast to that trajectory also. However, we have to understand that the prophet does this more so simply because. Now, it doesn't have to be uncontrollable. And I, I, I want to say that. It doesn't have to be uncontrollable. It's got to be something. It could be something else. All right, let's, let's move on. I'm at, I'm at 28 minutes, okay? I'm at 28 minutes, okay? Prophets have the ability to be remarkably, remarkably accurate in their, in, in their, in their predilectory uh, insights, okay? They have very strong literary skills. Come on, somebody, strong literary skills, okay? Very deep um, impressive elocution, okay. Very deep, uh, very uh, this this the 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 fact that they can speak and maneuver. See, that's that's a spiritual as that's a spiritual aspect right there, okay. And that, that oration ability that they that that a lot of prophets have, okay. And they have to have that. A lot of prophets have unusual um, uh, an unusual uh, judicial aptitude, which is necessary. Because you have to judge righteously. Judging must be done righteously. Prophets also have a notable organizational ability. We're very organized. We like organization. Then there's also, we, 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 we like to be influential in government affairs. And we have a lot of strong governmental ability. These are the things that, I, that, that I'm speaking to you about because these are the things that, that the Bible has, has, has basically spoken and told us that we have and we're able uh, to have as prophets. Okay? But, beloved, listen, um, I, I got to run and um, I'll be back with you next week. So that brings me now to my school moment. Beloved, today's school moment is prophetic dissonance. Now, it's hard to kind of bring that, that, that word to resolution because uh, dissonance is a disharmony between two parts. And if you have the prophetic, that means you can see the disharmony between two parts. But the relevancy of that particular terminology that I'm speaking from is that there are people who are engaged in prophetic dissonance. These are those churches that do not desire to have prophets walking amongst, though they're here. Those are the individuals who, who adamantly deny the gifts the anointings and the prophetic powers of those that are prophets. And what we have to do is we have to begin to educate people on the aspects of the prophetic, how to move prophetically and what to do prophetically so that people will begin to understand the prophets more so. So that this thing is not just something that we do, but is something that we understand 
and are. And that is today's school moment. Grace and peace, beloved. Today's prophetic word is demonic oppression. Demonic oppression. And demonic oppression is the state of a spirit-filled believer's being that's weighed down and superficially manipulated by an unclean spirit. That word, once again, is demonic oppression. Demonic oppression. That is today's prophetic word. Thank you for tuning in to the teaching ministry of One on One with Dr. D. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, see you on the other side.